the uh, statistics that have been up in the announcements about cheese and credit card debt and cheesecakes. Everything has grown over the years. Fast food restaurant portions have increased fourfold since the 1950s. So a meal in 1950 would be four more, three more, in addition to what they were in the 1950s is what we eat today. There has been a 1,233% increase in the size of a chocolate bar since the 1900s, early 1900s. There's been a 223% increase in the size of a burger since 1950. In 1990, the average credit card debt was $1,600. Now it's $16,000. There is a war going on on the inside of us, in the inside of every Christian. The warring parties are the flesh and the spirit. And all the, all the answers for your worksheet, you know, I'm going to give to you, so I think that might have been one. Was it? There is a war going on on the inside. That might not be, but I don't remember. There's a war going on on the inside of each of us. The warring parties are the flesh and the spirit, and they both want total victory in our life. In Galatians 5.17, it says, uh, Paul is speaking. He says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. And if you read like Romans 7 and 8, Paul is just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth about things that rule him. You know, his flesh wants to do one thing. The spirit wants to do one thing. He does the wrong thing, you know, and just just like a great big gigantic turmoil. And if you read those, a lot of times you can see yourself in there because you're feeling the same things. There's things that you want to do that are, that, that are gratifying your flesh and there's things that the Holy Spirit wants you to do and it causes a turmoil in you all the time. Um, So I'm going to ask you a question. When you think of fleshly desires or lust of the flesh, what kinds of things do you guys think of? The Home Shopping Network. There you go. (laughs) Food. Clothes. Vanity products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. So we've had shopping, we've had food, we've had, you know, personal vanities, sexual sin. Can anybody think of anything else? Drugs and alcohol. Have you ever seen anybody with a lust or craving or desire to constantly get more jewelry or more purses, more shoes was covered? How about with men? What do you think, you know, what about men? Bigger toys. Have you ever known men that they just have to keep on getting another toy, a bigger one, a better one, a faster one? Sorry about that. Yeah. What about what about a person that has a lust for work? A craving to always be working. 
about the person who has a craving or a lust to do nothing, to sleep in, to sleep late, to never get around to it? Pornography. What about the person who has a lust and a craving for gossip or being always critical? The Bible basically says that all sin is a lust or a craving for what our flesh desires. So I'm going to give you a, a definition for lust. It's a strong desire, a craving, an abnormal appetite, not only for physical, but for emotional and spiritual satisfaction, a desire for what is forbidden. Lust refers to the desire for things that are contrary to the will of God. Lust is never satisfied and always drives for something more. I'm going to say that again. Lust is a strong desire, a craving, an abnormal appetite, not only for physical, but for emotional and spiritual satisfaction also. It's a desire for what is forbidden. Lust refers to a desire for things that are contrary to the will of God. Lust is never satisfied and always drives for something more. Spiritual satisfaction. I'll read it one more time. Lust is a strong desire, a craving, an abnormal appetite, not only for physical, but for emotional and spiritual satisfaction also. It's a desire for what is forbidden. Lust refers to the desire for things that are contrary to the will of God. Lust is never satisfied and always drives for something more. Now, lust works on us, you know, kind of in a predictable way. First of all, there's a temptation that comes. Our flesh craves something contrary to the word of God. And then that happens, that happens to all of us. But the next step is when you give in to that craving or that desire or the thing that is contrary to the word of God. You give in to the flesh. And then once you've done it or bought it or whatever it is, the flesh wants more of that, more and more and more, or better, or bigger. And then it becomes a habit, you know, the home shopping channel. It becomes a habit, or Amazon, or criticizing people, or whatever it is, becomes a habit. And then after it becomes a habit, it can become an addiction, where you need something for your mind, or your emotions, or your body to receive pleasure, and you just need that so bad, because your whole uh, hormone you know, system and endocrine system and your body is just, it's like a drug addict. You know, they, their whole uh, brain, you know, function is changed because they're always getting this gratification. It's like a, a person watching pornography. They get so much gratification and they need that so much after a while that the chemistry in their mind, their brain, actually changes. Our person who's gaming all the time, you know, the, they're chemistry in, in their brain can change because they get such pleasure out of that and they get the pleasure out of that and then they need more they need more and it's kind of like it's, it becomes an addiction uh, like I said pornography is a really good example of how this works a person sees something in the checkout aisle at the grocery store or just something flashes up on the internet have you ever had that you're looking at a story you're reading something and then then you have somebody usually a woman of course right in front of you with not enough clothes on, you know. Well, it's just not going to bother me. I don't care. But it would bother a man. 
you know, would cause uh, temptation. And then um, the next step, you know, maybe they visit porn sites, they watch porn movies, and they need more and more and more and more and more and more. And then, you know, what this porn movie did was not enough. They need something wilder and crazier and more bizarre. And it changes the chemistry in their brain. And uh, eventually they try to act out what they see in pornography movies. And then that's not enough. And they just, you know, regular, if they, you know, have a wife, the wife is never going to satisfy that desire. In a normal way, they need something that is bizarrely sinful. The flesh is the part of us that feels an emptiness and uses its own resources and power to try to fill it. The flesh is the part of me who tries to satisfy me with anything but God. And, you know, I'm sure you all have seen that. You know, maybe it's a maybe it's one of those cheesecakes. You know, (laughs) I'm, I'm sad or tired or lonely or disgusted or, you know, have some kind of emotional need in my life. And instead of filling it with God, I fill it with a cheesecake. And that's not that's the lust of the flesh. So I'm going to read that again. The flesh is the part of us that feels an emptiness and uses its own resources and power to try to fill it. The flesh is the part of me who tries to satisfy me with anything but God. Now, stores and marketing experts and everything understand how this works. They understand how it works. They're always pushing you to fulfill the lust and your fleshly desires. They know your flesh always craves something new or more or better or bigger. That is one reason that the styles always change, because they, they know that you're going to want to be in style. You know, they could keep styles the same all, you know, for 50 years, but they're, they're not going to do that because they know they can make money on the new styles because you have to have the new styles, and that's the lust of our flesh. Um, that's what uh, I already said that. Uh, have you ever noticed that, you know, like the day that Christmas is over, they have the Halloween stuff out, and the day, uh, not the Halloween, gee, <laughs> day that Christmas is over, the Valentine's stuff is out. <laughs> wow. And as soon as Valentine's Day is over, they've got all the extra Valentine's stuff in a cart saying half off or whatever, and then they've got the Easter stuff out, and then the 4th of July. I mean, they're always pushing you to buy something. They're pushing you to buy something. There's a, as I said, there's a constant war between the spirit and the flesh. Jesus had to deal with it. And I know, you know, if you're brought up Catholic, that's kind of like sacrilege, you know. But Jesus had to deal with his flesh. And he's the only human being ever alive that always conquered his flesh. He was always led by the Holy Spirit. And we see these two instances where it's really clear that Jesus was struggling. Uh, the first was the, when he was in the, um, the desert. Remember, he went out to the desert, he fasted for 40 days and prayed, and the devil came to tempt him. And if Jesus couldn't have been tempted, then the devil wouldn't have come. But Jesus was tempted in the ways that uh, Satan tempted him, and he resisted that. He was led by the Holy Spirit, and he was able to do that. Let's turn to 1 John 2.16. And this is kind of a classic scripture 
that talks about sin. And I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation. It says, For the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, and pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They are from this evil world. So we can see that when we have lust for something, when our flesh is, is pushing us to do something that's contrary to the word of God, that that's not, from the God, that's not from God, that's from the evil world. And it's really good if we can, you know, start figuring out what's going on with us sometimes to recognize that is, that is just a lust or that's just a temptation, and I don't have to follow it. I don't have to obey the lust of the flesh. Um, to address the results of lust and the problems it causes in causes in our lives, a lot of times we look for a really quick fix. Don't we like quick fixes? Easy fixes, but they will never, ever, ever work unless the lust of the flesh is addressed and taken care of. So I have an example of this. Um, Say a person is having financial problems for whatever reason, so they're just, you know, in bad shape. So, you know, people do this. To, to help themselves out, they buy a lottery ticket because they want to take care of the problem really quick. Or maybe it's gambling, they go to the boats. Or they do it on their home computer. Um, or stealing from their boss. Or they try to consolidate their debts or refinance their house because they've had problems with their finances. How many times do you guys think that really actually helps the problem? It does not. But it's, we look at it as a quick fix. It's a, relief, a pressure relief for, you know, a short period of time. Statistics show that 70% of lottery winners go bankrupt. One of the reasons is that quick fix of lottery winnings did not fix the lust of the flesh. Does not fix the lust of the flesh. Another is our, our health, our weight. There are diet pills, diet shakes, Nutrisystem, Weight Watchers, the Atkins diet, and I'm sure there's just a whole myriad of things that people have tried to try to make it happen fast, you know. Um, On Oprah now, she's uh, advertising Weight Watchers. And what does she say? You can eat whatever you want. That's the big line. You can eat whatever you want. It's a quick fix. You believe it? Nope. She says, you just have to make good choices. <laughs> what in the world does that mean? <laughs> Nutrisystem, their tagline is, you can eat chocolate, pizza, and shakes. And people believe that. Oh, my gosh, I can, I can drink a milkshake and lose weight. People think of, you know. <laughs> the doctor knows we're not going to control our flesh. We're not going to eat right and exercise. So the doctor orders cholesterol medicine, blood pressure medicine, diabetes medicine. What happens, a lot of money is spent on these quick fixes. Some weight is lost. Some symptoms may improve. But the person goes right back to the way they ate. How many people have known people on Weight Watchers and they lose, whatever, 30, 50 pounds? How many of those people gained it back? And usually a person gains more weight back after they try a quick fix. Um, so a lot of money is spent on these quick fixes. Some weight is lost, some symptoms improve, but the person goes right back to the way they ate and gain more weight back and end up with side effects from the drugs because the lust of the flesh was not addressed. Our flesh 
Our flesh, our nature, is always working to satisfy its lusts. And if you don't think that's, that's really true, you know, all you have to do is read Romans 7 and 8. Paul, the Apostle Paul, talked about he dealt with that all the time. It was a constant struggle whether he was going to be led by the Spirit or led by the flesh. Um, different people are affected by different things. Um, a lot of times I'm going to be using food and money as examples, but those are just easy to illustrate, and people can understand them more. But some people have a lust for criticizing people all the time. Or, um, like I said, things we talked about before, some people have a lust for, lust for other people's things. You know, their neighbor gets a boat. They have a lust for a boat. They want to, be, they want to have a boat, too. Or the neighbor gets, you know, new furniture, so we got to get new furniture. You know, the flesh is always wanting uh, things that will bless the flesh. <laughs> Let's turn to Galatians 5.19. And I'm reading this in the New Living Translation. says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results, sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, and the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your little group, own little group, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sins. So basically, if we follow the, our, the desires of our sinful nature, it can lead to any, any type of sin that's listed in the Bible, which there's tons of them. Uh, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we don't want to be practicing things that satisfy the lust, lust of our sinful nature, do we? No, we don't. Um, did you know that most people, most of us in our lives have made decisions on what feels good to us, not what is wise, the wise thing to do? Uh, our decisions a lot of times are not led by the Holy Spirit. People usually choose what tastes good to determine what they're going to eat. Not what is nutritious. Not by what our body needs. We are led by our fleshly desires. We do the same, times, same thing many times with our money, with our time, or with other fleshly appetites. We usually use the same decision-making process in our spiritual walks, too. How many people do you know who would rather watch TV on a Wednesday night than come to church and pray or study the Bible? You don't have to raise your hands. But we all know... I would rather, I'm a, I'm a morning person, I would rather not to come to church on Wednesday night because I'm a morning person. <laughs> but that if I didn't come, when the word is being taught, I would be satisfying the desires of my, of my flesh. It would be a lust for laying on the sofa and doing nothing, you know? <laughs> so, how do, we, how do we handle this? How do we conquer this? Uh, Paul, as I said before, addresses this struggle in Romans 7 and 8 and in Galatians uh, chapter 5. Paul talks about this endless struggle with the flesh. As long as we're alive on the face of the earth, we're going to have to struggle with our flesh. Um, And I'll, I'll talk about it later, but 
knowing that you're going to be struggling with your flesh for the rest of your life shows that you're trying to walk according to the Spirit. Because a person that, for a person that doesn't have any awareness that they're struggling with their flesh or any desire to walk according to the Spirit, that is a really, really bad sign. It means that they're, they're not really hooked up with the Holy Spirit at all because the Holy Spirit's always going to be leading us toward purity and, and the fruit of the Spirit and things like that. Um, Christians are able to resist lust through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christians are able to resist lust through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you guys have had something that you were doing, maybe you were eating wrong or you were always trying to rule your husband or you were always spending too much money or, you know, whatever it was, and you just decided, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. A lot of times it doesn't last because we cannot do those things on our own accord. Our, our physical flesh is not strong enough to conquer these lusts. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit working in us to help us with those things. Um, the secret of overcoming our flesh is learning to walk by the Holy Spirit. If, if this Christian life of, of abiding by the Holy Spirit seems too hard, we have to remember that we're not called to live it ourselves, which is the most blessed, blessed, wonderful thing I can think of. God has given us the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to stand by with us and help us and to guide us and to help us conquer these desires. Um, People who try to live right without relying on God's Spirit always wind up trying to fill their own emptiness, as I talked about before. The good news is that it is not primarily our work, but it's God's work in us. Um, we try. Some, you know, people that are really trying to serve God a lot of times just try so hard, so hard, so hard. That's why Paul talks so much about the law. You know, Christians were going back into the law because they were trying themselves to accomplish things in the Lord. But we need to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where our victory comes in. The flesh, our flesh, our mind, will, and emotions can't change itself. We need the Holy Spirit. Um, let's, you're in Galatians. Let's uh, do chapter 5, verse 16. And I'm going to read it first in the Amplified. It says, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, of the human nature without God. Verse 17, For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. Um, the godless human nature, for these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. Sounds like a big mess, doesn't it? Galatians 5.16 in the New Living Translation. I, so I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Holy Spirit gives us 
desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. Those are some awesome scriptures, I think. Just kind of tells us what what we're in for for the rest of our life is conflict on the inside of us, our flesh and the Holy Spirit. Who's going to have control of me this day? (laughs) This, you know, if we're getting ready to have a fight with our husbands, you know, who's going to have, you know, say in my life in the next five minutes, the Holy Spirit or the flesh? You know, it's a decision we make constantly and all the time. Um, So walking in the Spirit means that we stay hooked up to the divine source of power and go wherever he leads. Uh, John Piper, who's a minister, uses a train analogy to demonstrate this. Um, You are like a car on a train, and the Holy Spirit is like the locomotive. And how much effort does the car have to put into making the train go? None. How much does the locomotive do? All the work. So when we walk by the Spirit, we are allowing the Holy Spirit in us to do the work, to do the change, to do the leading, to do the guiding, and we just follow him. We follow him. There are things that we have to do, but in this illustration, it really helps to see that, you know, if you're hooked up to the right locomotive continually, you'll go the right direction. You'll go the right direction. Um. We always want the Holy Spirit to be the locomotive in our life. (laughs) Okay, now I'm going to give you um, four. I'm going to give you five points, I think. Tips for walking in the Spirit. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So in other words, let us stay hooked up to that locomotive. To walk in the Spirit, we must allow the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. You know, when we read those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, a lot of times we just think, oh, I'm going to walk in love, or I'm going to be patient, or, you know, we we try to manufacture those those fruits in us, but we can't. It's the Holy Spirit that manufactures and and produces those fruit in in us. The Holy Spirit, when he's given a place in our heart and our life, produces those fruits. You know, so one of those uh, fruits is self-control. Self-control is vital for a fighting against the flesh, against the lust of the flesh. Um, that word self-control means temperance. It means continence. Does anybody know what continence means? Does anybody know what incontinence means? It means you can't hold it. You can't hold it. So the opposite means that we can hold it. And it's talking about our, our mind, our will, emotions, our actions. A fruit of the Spirit is that we can hold it. We can hold it properly. Self-government or moderation, principally with regard to sensual or animal appetites. It means moderation in eating, 
drinking, sleeping, etc., etc., etc. But again, in this scripture, the Holy Spirit's work is emphasized, not ours. He bears the fruit through us and in us. Isn't that awesome? I just, I just think it's so awesome. You know, whatever God asks us to do, he gives us a perfect way to do it. He gives us the most awesome ways to do it. Let's turn to John 15, verse 4. And we're just talking about the fruit of the Spirit. This scripture is also talking about bearing fruit. John 15, 4. It says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. This is Jesus talking. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. So he's talking about remaining in him. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So to bear this fruit, we have to remain in Jesus Christ. We have to maintain our our, uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So that was the first one. To walk in the Spirit, we must allow the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The second one, to walk in the Spirit, we have to stay in the Word. You can turn to John 6.63. It says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are Spirit, and they are life. So to stay walking in the Holy Spirit, we have to stay in the Word of God. And Jesus says that the Word of God gives life, that his words are spirit and life. So if we're in his word, we're right hooked up with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever, <clears throat> have you ever been reading the word of God and just, just you know, you're just awestruck with, with what you're reading and how it brings you life and it brings you joy and it brings you energy and it brings you peace? Have you felt that? Have you sensed that? Well, that's the Holy Spirit awakening that word to us because the word is life. We studied the Word of God. Life is just flowing right into us. And so it's really important if you want to walk by the Spirit and conquer the lust of the flesh to stay in the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God. Uh, the next one, number three. To walk in the Spirit, we must crucify the flesh. To walk in the Spirit, we must crucify the flesh. The flesh, with its passions and lusts, has to be crucified. And you might think, well, you know, I don't know any crosses around here. You know, I don't want anybody, you know, nailing up my hands on the cross or whatever. (laughs) But what that means is that, that, you know, we just basically, we have to say no. We have to say no. Uh, In Galatians, we can go back to Galatians 5, verse 24. Now, we have just read in Galatians um, 22 and 23, chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, we've read about the fruit of the Spirit. So this comes right after talking about the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 24. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions. Since we live by the Spirit, we must keep in step with the Spirit. So we see here in Galatians, right after he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he says, but you've got to crucify your flesh. And I'll just read these other two. And you can write them down. Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. 
So the Holy Spirit is in us, enabling us, helping us, and but we've got to do part of it too. We've got to help, have the Holy Spirit help us to crucify our flesh, to crucify it. Um, one good example of this is um, ice cream. How many people love ice cream? Well, part of me crucifying my flesh is not have ice cream in the house. And I love ice cream. If it's in the house, I'm going to eat it. Peanut M&Ms, if they're in the house, I'm going to eat them. I mean, that's, there's just no other way. If it's there, I'm going to eat it. And trying to crucify my flesh while there's a bag of peanut M&Ms in the house isn't, isn't that going to really work very good for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a problem with it. So crucifying my flesh means that they don't come in my house. They might come in at Christmas, but they don't, they don't come in my house because I'll eat them. So I crucify my flesh to keep them out of my house so that I don't eat them. Is that a good example? Um, another one, 1 Corinthians 9.27. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So Paul knew very well that if he didn't discipline his body, he would be disqualified, um, basically, from teaching others. So we have, we have family, we have coworkers, we have neighbors, church, you know, church family that we're influencing all the time. People are looking at you all the time to see if you're a real Christian. And if you don't crucify your flesh, then you disqualify yourself in a lot of ways from being a good witness. And we don't want that to ever happen. In Romans 8.13, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You can see here again, we need the Holy Spirit to be helping us. We need the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us because we can't do it on our own. Uh, Number four, to walk in the Spirit, we must control our mind with the Word of God. I talked about the Word of God earlier, but something really specific goes on in our mind. Our mind has so much to do with what we do. In uh, Romans Romans 8, verse 5, you can turn there. Romans 8, verse 5. It says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Can you see how how much the mind plays into it? So we need to keep our mind filled with the Word of God. We need to keep our thoughts renewed with the Word of God. We need to capture our thoughts. The Bible talks about capturing our thoughts. You know, everybody does this. They start thinking about something they shouldn't be thinking about. You know, um, let's say we're in church and somebody comes that is wearing funky clothes or somebody, a lady comes that's wearing something way too tight or low cut 
And what's, what does our mind a lot of times automatically think? Oh, she's wearing a top that's a little low cut, you know, da 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 You know, our minds just go in, in kind of, you know, random things. And we have to capture that thought. Say, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to keep my mind on the word of God. Or say, you know, our next door neighbor gets, gets a new boat. Pretend you're a man right now. <laughs> next door neighbor gets a new boat, and he just got a new motorcycle, and he got this and that. Well, you're going to start thinking, you know, gee whiz, I wish I had a boat. I wish I had the money he had to have a boat. I, how does he buy all these things? How much, where does he get his money from? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, you have to capture those thoughts and say, that's not the right thing to be thinking. I need to capture those thoughts and put them in subjection to the word of God. You know, I'm so glad that he's blessed. But you don't know everything may be on the credit card. You know, you don't know about, you don't know about other people's lives or finances. You have to capture thoughts. You have to capture thoughts. Say the ladies in here that are married, you know, it happens to everybody. So don't think, you know, it doesn't happen to somebody in here. It happens to everybody. Somewhere along the way, you know, your husband is going to aggravate you or something. And what goes on in your mind? You might be thinking things that aren't really profitable about your husband in your mind. And that, that, that locomotive is going to be taking you the wrong way. You have to capture those thoughts. Say, no, I'm going to respect my husband. I'm going to respect him and honor and love him. And I'm not going to let my mind, you know, think bad things about him. You know, can you see how we have to capture our mind? Um, uh, the mind is a crazy place, isn't it? The mind can be a crazy place. And things can pop in your mind. You know, I, you know, I firmly believe sometimes things fly through your mind that are arrows from Satan. That, that they're, not, they're not in your head at all. They just, and you can, rec- because it's so bizarre a lot of times, you can just recognize, well, that didn't even come from me. You know, I might be jealous of my neighbor's boat, but that one didn't, that might have been me thinking that, but that one didn't even come from me. That thought didn't even come from me. And you have, just have to, you know, guard your mind with the word of God. Guard your mind with the word of God, because our minds can lead us into all kinds of lusts. Um, so to walk by the Spirit means that we have to abide in the vine, stay in God's Word. We need to be led, in, led by the Spirit. We need to keep our mind in the Word of God. Um, in all of these scriptures, the work of the Holy Spirit is always emphasized. He's always there to, to do the lion's share of the work for us because it's something that we, in, of, in and of ourselves, we can't do. But, but there are things that we have to do, like I talked about crucifying our flesh. Our, wheel, our wills are deeply involved in our decisions every day, what we do. But we have to always keep hooked up to the locomotive of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we must always want to abide in the vine and keep ourselves attached to the flow of God's power. We always need to keep ourselves securely united to Jesus Christ. Um, stay close to God in prayer. Use your prayer language. You know, if you're getting tempted to do something, you know, just start praying in tongues. You know, fight it off. Fight it off. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was fighting stuff off. You know, he fought stuff off so bad that he was, blood was coming out of him. That's the kind of fight we have to do sometimes. We have to fight off evil desires um and and 
the Bible says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Ask the Holy Spirit to intercede for you and help for help you in these situations. Um, and I, I just want you to be encouraged if you feel like you're always battling in the flesh. You know, some people, um, you know, they're going to spend their whole life battling chocolate. Other people, they, you know, chocolate doesn't bother them or, you know, they can handle a little bit and it, they, they could care less. But other people, they're going to spend their whole life fighting it. And we all have different things that we have to fight. Um, there's all diff- All of us are different, you know. For one person, it might be criticism, the next person gossip, the next person always being negative, the next person, you know, has a boot problem. They want 100 pairs of boots, you know. <laughs> we all, <laughs> that's our, <laughs> in case you were wondering. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's people that um, have a problem with their flesh that they never clean their house. There's people that have a problem with their flesh that that's all they can do is clean their house and they can't have anybody come in because there might be a speck of dust. We all have things that we deal with. We all have several things that we deal with that maybe the other person, that's never bothered them in their life. But we have to learn what kinds of things our our flesh is drawn toward and our flesh is wanting to do, and we need to fight those things through the ways that we've talked about. Um. So kind of in conclusion, although I have one more point, um, we need to stop trying to fill all the emptiness in our life with an endless amount of worldly pleasures. Um, and it means that to do this, we, although we're fighting a fight and we're fighting a battle, we also need to be able to rest completely in God because that's what God wants. He wants you to just rest in him and he wants you to just enable the Holy Spirit to work, work through you. Um, the Holy Spirit can just work miracles in you if we're just meditating on his goodness, meditating on his wonderful, awesome promises day and night and resting in him, resting in him. There's a minister that lived quite a long time ago uh, that wrote, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how much I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. So when we wake up in the morning... We decide to be happy in Jesus, to be happy in the Lord, be happy in his word, be satisfied with him, be satisfied with all his great and precious promises. Um, Some people, it really helps them to put, like, reminders in different places, like sticket notes or, or scriptures on their desk or, you know, have ways that you're reminded all day of God's love for you. Then the last, number five, is to walk in the Spirit, we must walk by faith. If we are, uh, have faith in God's promises, then how can we ever be discouraged? I can't think of any, any way to be discouraged if we're walking by faith. Let's turn to Galatians 2.20.
It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the last one is to walk in the Spirit. We must walk by faith. Faith in his word, faith in what Jesus has done for us, faith in God's love, faith in God's compassion for us. He's just so good to us. He's so good to us, and he wants us to be hooked up to the locomotive of the Holy Spirit, be in the word of God, be praying, be praying in the Holy Spirit, and recognize that there's a battle going on on the inside of us, and always give the leeway inside of us for the Holy Spirit to rule. Amen? That help you any? Helped me. (laughs) Okay, um... It was suggested that I share a little bit about what Pastor Terry and I eat. So I'm going to do that right now. 